This is Planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. Today, Pastor Matt summarizes our look at spiritual formation and discusses several practices to help get us out of the starting blocks. Good day, everyone. This is Pastor Matt Krim. I'm here once again with Thad Keenel and the Plain and Podcast. What's going on, Thad? Pastor Matt, it's good to be here. It's been a couple of weeks since we've had this opportunity to do the face and face on the podcast anyway. Yeah, it has. Uh, but I think in the at the end of the last podcast, you promised that we were going to tie a bow on this season. We were going to kind of wrap things up with, as it relates to spiritual formation. And so I don't know if that's really possible, but we're going to do our best today. Yeah, well, of course, the conversation will never truly end, but we right. have to end the season. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> otherwise people might get and, bored And with I think us. I even said a couple of the other episodes of this season, in some ways— we did it specifically on this topic, but in some ways, our hope is that the Planted Podcast is has always been a spiritual formation podcast, right? That, right, that yeah. everything we do is is hopefully fo- toward this end. We're just specifically trying to focus on some particulars with regard to that, and 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 talk about some of just the the uh, ways the Westminster Standards have talked about it. To look at things like the means of grace, to look at prayer and worship and and the Word of God. And then also we've talked about just how the role of even trials and suffering and what are those things of God's discipline that help us in the growth process and just the promises of God that he's going to continue this. I think we're going to talk about that a little bit more today, right? That, that, That ultimately our trust in this whole thing is that God's going to finish the work that he started in us. Right. And so, um, our trust really in spirit in our in the spiritual formation is in God's work and but it is with the full knowledge that in a covenant relationship the God who makes these promises he also asks us to make promises back to him and those promises those obligations we have don't merit anything in terms of our eternal destiny that that's all done by Christ our our faith is in Christ alone by through grace alone by faith alone you know that that uh nothing i do uh, merits anything but it, it but i do things in response to what Christ has done and 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 so therefore um i i i promise to rely upon him i promise to if you love me, you'll obey my commands, right? Right. right. It's, that, it's it's the marriage vow, isn't it? It is, and we talked about that. That's one a great example. And so, uh, so really, this this spiritual formation we're talking about uh, is complete trust in that God is faithful to do what He says He's going to do. But in response to that, we commit ourselves to participate in this process. And so, uh, so we do say I'm, we're going to rely upon His means of grace. We are going to. When I spend time in prayer, I do it with the full belief that he's using that to grow me closer to him and and to make me more like Jesus. When I spend time in his word, um, uh, the same thing's going to happen. When I participate in the sacraments and the life of the body, that all happens. Sure. And so um, so I, I do want to just look back at a verse that we've talked about before, I think, that talks about this. Uh, Paul in Philippians 2, starting in verse 12, where he says, 
Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. So Paul, now that he's not with the Philippians anymore and he's writing to them, he's like, even in my absence, my full expectation is you're going to continue with this, right? Much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so there's this command to work out your salvation, not work for your salvation, work out something you already possess because of the merit of Christ, not because of our own. But we do it with fear and trembling. We do it in this expectation of fear before God, but also in in this, in we're working this out in the time of tribulation, the time of last days. There's still uh, tests and trials and and things before us that we work this out. That are you going to stay loyal to Jesus even when you're persecuted, even when you're having to endure tiredness, when you're having to endure broken relationships? You know, do, are we staying tr- true to Jesus all throughout the way? And as we do, we work that out. But we do it why? For what purpose? Well, because we know God works in you, both to will and and to work for his good pleasure. So the strength, the power to do it, the promise is all in Jesus, God doing that work in us. Uh, So anything strike you about that? All of it. You know, it's, it's so comforting to know that it begins with God uh, and then it also ends with God. But besides that, the process is all encompassing of God's mercy and grace throughout our our entire um, walk with him. And, you know, when we have a a master and a Lord whom we serve that sheds his, his love upon us like that, why would we, why would we take our, our focus off of that? You know, and then, and be looking into ourselves. Right. Right. Um, Because, we have to always be cognizant of the other scriptures that talk about it's when we're weak that we're strong in Christ, mm-hmm. right? So we should almost relish it in our weaknesses um, because it's in those times that we are more reliant on Christ because when I'm doing things good, this is this has always been my biggest problem. When things are happening and clicking in my little world, it's pretty easy for me to get prideful, right? Mm. I'll, I'm, I'm not as reliant on God as I perhaps should be, for example, yeah. right? And so this life that we have and, and the walk that we have and the struggles that we have uh, with our temptations and you name it, you know, in relationships, as you already mentioned, it really has got to be rooted firmly and grounded on the bedrock of our faith, which is Christ Jesus. Right. And continue, like, I like how you said that, you know, that our pride can get in the way or but continue to look at what God's doing and we're recognizing that God's doing this work in us. And so it's, it's, I think I think about like you hear a new a new song and you're like oh I love that song and you and you just start listening to it and listening to it and you're like and and the whole time you're thinking man that person's got a great voice or that writer had you know just such a great gift and and in our enjoyment of it we're enjoying the work of the other person right but at some point you could if you start singing it yourself so much right or or you know you're like you could start taking pride in like somehow it's becoming yours, right? Yeah. Instead of like uh, remembering that, no, it's, it's because of that person, you know, I, I enjoy their work. And, uh-huh. and I think sometimes in our own faith, our own life, this life, that's a gift from God. We can, we can sometimes, you know, 
live it and do the right things and do good things and stop giving praise to God for it. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's like, oh, it all came from him. You know? Right. That's that's true. And you know, there's one more facet to it that's that's really critical, and we've been talking about it throughout this entire season, is that, of course, we're fully reliant on on God, on Christ, uh, on, on Jesus, who he is. But uh, in the times that I'm struggling, sometimes he's not, even though he really is right here next to me, he's within my heart. Um, I don't have, I don't feel the, like uh, I can lean directly on his shoulder. And that's what the body of Christ is for. Yeah. You know, and so the other facet that we've been talking about in all of this is growth, it's spiritual growth, but it's within the body. Yeah. And that's, that's great. I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the things I wanted to talk about today is the role of the fellowship. And we've even talked about that even in these conversations, how we just love doing the podcast. Yeah. Uh, that we get so much out of it, whether people are listening to it or not, <laughs> is because we get to have these spiritual conversations and we get to uh, spur one another on, encourage each other, and and have this so that we, one of those, I think, in my mind, I mean, the sacraments themselves are the those lived out signs and symbols, but they also represent body life, mm-hmm. you know, too, because we take them and we participate them in the body. And there's something about that body life that is... You know, he says, where, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Now, we know that, you know, the scriptures tell us the Holy Spirit's living within each one of us individually. But there's something about when we gather together and, and we, we, we focus on Jesus and we talk about him, we sing his praises, we look at his word, that, that it just multiplies and grows. It, it just kind of, there's more, there's more glory there in the sense that the renown and fame and wonder and beauty of God is multiplied within the body as we come together and, and help each other out in this way. Right. And and it's also pointing to the fact that you need you need multiplicity of witnesses to verify something. And yeah. what are we verifying? We're verifying the truth of God. So in other words, uh, just because you have a large number of people together and you're all praying for a new car for something, you know, whatever <laughs> the case may be, you know, that's that's misappropriation of the spirit of yeah. of God's will, perhaps. And so uh, when we're joined together and and we're agreeing, we're just agreeing that God's correct. Yeah, you know, and we're and we're plugging in that together, and that's exactly where um, I was looking earlier when I mentioned it to you in First Corinthians three about our our spiritual growth. Right? Yeah. There's there, there's some of that that comes together. Should I just read a, yeah, read, a portion read of those verses? Um, where are you starting? So I better start all. There's a little bit of a discussion here because we're dealing with people, right? Yeah. So. What's happening here is that there's a discussion that people are following after certain leaders within the body of Christ. Yeah. Right? And so what happens in verse 4, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you'll be able to make the context pretty quick. It says, for for when one says, I am of Paul, and another says, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, this is Paul speaking, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. Yeah. So if you continue on with verse 7, it says, So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. So I don't know. Just affirming what, well, that's just affirming what we read in Philippians, right? God is the one 
who is, we work at our salvation with fear and trembling, but if it's God who works in you to will and work for his good pleasure. So again, it's the, it's God. He's saying similar things, but it, he's doing it here in contrast to the fact that we can give too much credit to men. Yeah, right. right. And, and so, so yeah, so keep going. And now in verse eight, it says, now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. In verse 10, according to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we all do our work. We all do things, but it's all built upon the work of Christ. He, he, is, he is alone again, the center, the foundation of everything, which actually relates to a passage I wanted to get to. Did you have more? In I just, well, just also was going to add to this, of course. Uh, what this is pointing to is about God being the source and mm-hmm. the foundation and really the power behind and the ultimate authority behind this, but yet it's still including those workers, right? right. So the exactly. means the means of this is still part of God's plan, right? There's there's the ends of our justification, but there's also the means. Exactly. And so yeah. the church is the means and that's us. Yeah. Just don't it's, be mean. Yeah, it's the same thing for our sanctification. Right. And our glorification. It's all there's there's the there's the ends and the and there's the means. There's the the ways that we reflect and participate and all that, but but it it's all but we can say in each of those things it's Christ alone who accomplishes it. Yeah. That. Right, exactly. So so, um, so it makes me think of the, the whole idea of foundation of Paul writing and and talking about his ministry as it relates to others and so forth even even the same in the same spirit of what we read in, in Philippians we see this in 1 Timothy chapter 3 so in 1 Timothy Paul is writing to Timothy who he's entrusted the church of Ephesus to Timothy's leadership as the pastor of this congregation now and he's writing these things to Timothy a lot of it has to do with him wanting to be to use the gifts he's given him to to follow through on the ordination and the laying on of, of hands of, of his ministry, the confirmation of his ministry. And that ministry is to, pro, is to preach the gospel, to protect the truth, to speak out against false teaching, all these kind of things he's been talking about, the establishment of elders and deacons, which he just got done um, laying out values and principles mm-hmm. about how to do all that, the kind of people to choose. And then here he says in verse 14 of chapter 3, I hope to come to you soon. I'm writing these things to you so that, so here we know, oh, here's the purpose of his letter, right? If he's kind of give us a little summary. If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. Mm. Ah, the household of God. That's what we've been talking about. It's the people. It's not the physical structure, but he's using that terminology. It's the people of God. Earlier in, in the descriptions of overseers and deacons, he says how you act in your household. He wasn't talking about the physical structure. He was talking about how you're raising your kids, how you treat your wife, you know, how the, your house, the people of God are, you know, right. within that's the same thing here. And then he says, which is the church of the living God? Oh, the, the church being the assembly, the ecclesia of the living, who's the, li- why say the living God? Well, as opposed to what else? <laughs> well, in, in Old Testament terms, right. the living God is is given in comparison and contrast to dead idols, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in com- these, you know, 
these figures of small g gods, which, you know, I could argue, or maybe there's real spiritual beings behind them. Right. But the idol itself that's supposed to be there and represent and speak for it is dead. It can't do anything. But the God we serve is a living God who has living image bearers, right? And, and so we we represent the one true God, the God who's the God of everyone. Uh, and so with that comes responsibility and mm-hmm. calling. And then it says, so we're the household of God, we're the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth, or some some might have a, a pillar and foundation of the truth, or a, a pillar and mainstay of the truth. I mean, that, that word there that's, that's translated um, like basis or support, it really is that foundation that he was talking about in Corinthians, right? right Jesus right. is the foundation. So what he is saying the church is our job is to uphold the the church is built upon that foundation and uphold it so like a pillar is upholding a roof or you know it's kind of out there in front but but it, it, it's also the the uh, the foundation which is Jesus so mm-hmm. i guess what i'm asking here is this is he's describing the church in these three ways but yet you can't describe the church Without talking about Jesus, <laughs> that's exactly right. Right? Yeah. Um, and so, if if we if we say who is my identity in, as a member of the church? Well, my identity starts with the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ. My uh, everything we talk about, the whole foundation, this whole spiritual growth, is always about becoming like more and more like Jesus, conformed to His image. And so, when we think about what it means to be the people of God, we can't just start talking about like. We if we just go straight to like moral principles without having the foundation of Jesus, we can just start to look like every other religion in the world, right? Mm-hmm. If we just start going down to the do's and the don'ts, then we just start become some legalistic, you know, type of religion that is just about rules and regulations that a lot of people can view the church that way, right? Right, But that's not what our foundation is built upon. Its foundation is built upon Jesus and what he's done. And so it's very interesting that in verse 16, he says, great indeed we confess is the mystery of godliness, which in some ways godliness is what spiritual formation is all about, right? We're wanting to grow in godliness. And later in Timothy, he's going to talk about being trained in godliness, you know? Physical training is of some value, but training in godliness has value in every way, mm-hmm. okay? And so this whole spiritual formation, we talk about this, so we're like, okay, here's godliness. Now, he's, here's the mystery he's going to tell us, and we're, maybe we're going to think it's a list, like, oh, he's just going to list the, the fruits of the Spirit. That's what, what is godliness, the fruits of the Spirit, or he's going to list the Ten Commandments, or, you know, it could be any of those things, but he doesn't do that. All right. Here's what he says is the mystery of godliness, he was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Huh. The mystery of God. Who's this talking about? Well, yeah, it's the, it's the gospel. <laughs> it's Jesus the gospel, right? He's <laughs> like, you want to know the mystery of godliness, you look to Jesus. Right. And not just to the and not just necessarily the theological underpinnings. Oh, he's truly God, truly man. He is all those things. But it's also what he did and what was done in response to him, right? Mm-hmm. So if we take these by couplets, I think most theologians or commentators will say we need to take these by couplets. So there's six little lines here, and, and they're kind of paired probably in twos, okay? 
So, and within each two, you kind of have this comparison between something that's more physical, fleshly, worldly, and then something that's we would say is more spiritual, or sometimes we might using the word invisible, but it's it's really real. You know, it's it's not that it's unreal. It, it's a bigger it's a, reality, a, yeah. Yeah. So, so here it says he was manifest in flesh, vindicated by the spirit. So we see this comparison between flesh and spirit. Okay. He was manifested in the flesh. What's that talking about? It's got to be his incarnation. His incarnation, right? And so, and we know that why was Jesus born a man? Well, because the the wages of man's sin is mm-hmm. death, right? And so the the person that pays for their sins must be a man. So if I if I were to pay the penalty for my right. own sin, which I do without Christ, then it's my death, right? right? So I so the logical price for my life would be a, a life for a life, which is yeah, which a man. Which right, is. exactly. And also, it's it's that, and it's also that we need a cup. Co- we talk about covering or kapoor, right? Because God wants to dwell with his people. And so we need, there's a payment, but there's also a washing or a cleansing, mm. right? So God can come and live with us and not destroy us, yeah, right? <laughs> right? Exactly. You know, so, and, and so when we have the vindication of the spirit, you know, what we have there is... Um, the, the, what did the Spirit do? Well, the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, mm-hmm. right? And so his vindication, how do we know that his life in the flesh, which came so that he would die on our behalf, right, to wash us clean and make us right with God, how do we know it worked? Because death could not hold him. Exactly, the resurrection. So the penalty of sin, which is death, the penalty of sin, which is separation from God, we know that, that the resurrection shows that we that that we have He's given new life, so we would have new life, and we can be reunited to Him. And so, godliness has something to do with entering into the broken world, dying for the broken world, or owning. Or I, I've even started to use this word. So what do you think of this fad? That in His death, it says He took upon our sins. There's something about godliness. And the gospel that is, he the, his solution to the problem is to absorb it. He doesn't just like smite it away. He could have, but you know, but he actually like I'm going to defeat death by swallowing it up. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, when you said that the, at first, I was thinking of um, those terms that we call the great exchange. Yeah, right. Because right. in this, in, in, the, in the polar opposite way, we. Get to put on his righteousness, yeah. right? But what's the term that I'm thinking of? What's that called? I'm, I'm missing the term. Um, the fact that he he takes on our sins, and there's this there's this transfer yeah. of our sins to him, and then right. the transfer of his righteousness to us. Sometimes we use the word imputation or um, yeah, impartation. That's, exact, that's exactly the word I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. exactly. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, and and so, but really, there is the yeah that he the one of the ways if we think about how. To, What's a godly response to evil is is to like what Jesus did is he's like, evil, you come to me and do your best on me. Just come do your best. Right. And I'm gonna defeat I'm gonna defeat you. He you know I, I'm gonna you let you I'm of, gonna let yeah. you kill me. Right. So do your do what you think can do you can do, and I'm gonna just take it all. And it's not gonna. Ha- and it's not gonna. It's not gonna work. Right. The very first thing that he does after his baptism, he goes in to face yeah. forty days of temptation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right? That's he enters in. He he's he's not afraid of the fight, which is very interesting. Mm. 
that uh, that is there. And 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 you know, I I often do I do I like you know my way of wanting to deal with evil is is and God ordains this. I'm not saying it's bad. He's a little bit. It's like um, on the one hand, I just want to let I just want to let the authorities bear the sword. That's their job. Just go bear the sword. Go take care of it. You know, mm-hmm. and they should. I'm not saying they shouldn't. Right. But from a Christian viewpoint, is I have another way to fight that. Is that I come with the truth of the gospel, and if people come back at me and do their stuff to me, I have the power in Jesus, in the Spirit, to somehow be able to, I should be able to, because Christ bears my burdens, absorb some of that evil. Right. Well, there's a very right? real there's a very real um analogy of the church militant. Yeah. Right? Because we go forth with a double-edged sword, which right. is the word yeah. of power, which cuts and it divides and it, it exposes sin, and yet it um, transfers the message of truth right. and his righteousness. And so it is, it is, it is a battle and it is. And, and we, but we're also sometimes, you know, willing to go places we normally wouldn't go. We give up our rights to stay at home in my comfy couch and television sometimes. And a guy says, no, I actually, I want you to go into the jail and talk to the convict, mm-hmm. go out on the street and talk to the, the person who might claim to hate me. Go, I, I've done mission to Bolivia. Go talk to these people. Go, go love these Bolivian people or these, these tribal people that they even like a lot of Bolivians don't love. <laughs> <laughs> um, and not because they're some lovable or the, it, because God loves them, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you can go in and you can go and give up your vacation and and go do a mission trip instead. You know, I'm, I'm not saying don't take vacations. I'm saying that we do stuff like that because we believe in the power of the gospel, right? In in and 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 that that ultimately is going to do more. The God the God who comes in and changes hearts is going to do more. I mean, so I've been wondering sometimes with this is. Um, I've been thinking about the way I, as a Western evangelical Christian Protestant, the way I think about like some of my theological heroes, you know, and all the writing and how they do such a good job of laying out the truth and exposing the Bible to me and so forth. Right. And I think, oh, they've got great theology. And, and I think they do. But think about Teresa of Calcutta. We often call Mother Teresa who went and lived in the slums of Calcutta and shared the love of Christ and gave a cup of cold water to someone in mm-hmm. need. Isn't that just as good a theology? If, if, if she's trusting in Christ alone, right? It is that, that like, right. to, um, to go and enter in to the mess and, and just say, um, this is, you know, isn't that, awesome theology isn't that revealing jesus in the flesh yeah there's you know you know outside of a country such as ours where we don't face that persecution around the rest of the world there's so many places that are um hostile and uh, they can be imprisoned their 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 churches are burned and the people are evicted or worse you know and so people face that torment and I don't, it's, it's the, and we've talked about this before, but when we look at that in our own position, my own position, I don't understand 
why I take comfort <laughs> that I, that I live in a place like this. I mean, I, honestly, we're we're not there to go to seek out to be um, tortured yeah. for Christ, right? Oh, right? But the idea is, in every circumstance that we're in, are we indeed? reflecting his light, yeah. right? And that can take place in many different facets. One right. is when somebody um, betrays us, are we responding in a Christ-like manner, right? Because yeah, we might be justified in going after them, but if we respond Christ-like, Christ's love, his grace, his mercy, right. um, his truth is going to shine through that yeah. that circumstance. That's and right. so we have to respond or we are we are called to respond in a Christ-like manner, regardless of our situation. And right. so, we, you know, right now we can't, we have no control of what's going to happen next in our, in our world. Right. Yeah. You know, if Mother Teresa, who's, you know, now passed on, or anybody else, any other, even Protestant missionary, if, if anybody's going and doing it thinking they're earning something for their eternal destiny by doing so, right, has it wrong. But if it, but if, as you said, if it's done totally out of response, if it's, it's done because of Christ, right, then then there's something about that. There's something about that, just that a willing heart willing to enter in, just like Jesus left the glory of God and came and was manifested in the flesh, trusting and knowing that he would be vindicated by the Spirit, mm-hmm. and that that that's you want to know what godliness is consider that and consider i can't die for any man's sins you know but i can enter into someone's life i can um i uh i don't have to help my friend who's got cancer but because of christ i do mm-hmm. right right yeah um and his cancer becomes my cancer just like my sin became jesus's sin right because because that's godliness right, right? right. and i do it Knowing that there's victory in Jesus, I knew I do it because because I have the hope of redemption, right. right? Which leads us then to the that second couplet. It says, "Was seen by angels and was proclaimed among the Gentiles." So it's interesting here the spiritual and and worldly is flipped. The the spirit, the kind of the angels comes first here, right? But was seen by angels. Now we know after Jesus' resurrection that he goes and speak, he preaches to spirits in prison, right? I don't know if that's what's talking about or if it's just, but there's definitely a recognition by the spiritual realm that Jesus was raised from the well, dead. Well, we even have the early testimony in, in the Gospel of Luke, for example, where the angels came to his birth. Yeah. So that he was seen by angels. <laughs> yeah, right. right. So, right. How, how yeah, so there's, a, there's a spiritual realm recognition of all this stuff. I, I, I tend to think that it is given baby in response to the resurrection here, um, because then it says proclaimed among the Gentiles. Right, that makes so, sense. It, it, yeah. And so, so this is also, so there's something about the recognition now of, of this that becomes, so it's not just that he did it, he did do it, but it's recognized, there's a reality to it that is recognized in the spiritual realm and among the nations, mm-hmm. right? That now his followers are going, there's a proclamation, the good, the, the gospel is news, right? And this news is is heralded out into the nations. It go we go and proclaim it, right? right. And that that historical fact of that says something about the reality of it, mm-hmm. and and that says something too about the ch- calling of the church. That if you're not proclaiming the gospel, you're falling a little short of godliness, right? There's something godly about the recognition that this happened, it's true, and it needs to be known, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, so then we have the third couplet here, was not only does it need to be proclaimed, 
but but it's believed that there's actually a tr- we people trust it right so it's believed on in the world and then it says he was taken up in glory and so it's not only a recognition that he's king but he's actually in in he actually does go up he's taken up in glory he's seated there that there's the there's a, even another reality beyond just the recognition but there's actually the reign of the king, right? right? Yeah. And the reign of the king is revealed in heaven to sit at the right hand. He's taken up in glory. But the reign of king here, how does Jesus reign here on earth? Yeah, through the body. Through the body, the body that believes, right? <laughs> yeah. There's a difference between we. I could go I could go out through the whole world and start proclaiming that Thad Keenel is going to be the next president of the United States. You know, I could proclaim Thad is, is, is president, but... It's only real if, if it actually happens and people believe it, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Right. There's something about it. It, it. it needs to be believed on in the world in, in reality. Now, does everyone believe? No. I mean, there are some people today who still think Donald Trump's actually president now, right, instead yeah. of Joe Biden, right? You know, but that doesn't make it – just because somebody believes something doesn't make it real. But right. but there is something – but something is real. at God – because God's faithful, he makes it real in people's hearts, right. and we believe. And there's something godly about the pro- when the proclamation is actually believed on, right? And then the church, it's through this whole process that we're talking about that then the church becomes the, the, the one who is defending the truth, upholding the truth. They're proclaiming it because people are believing it, and more and more we're going out, and the church of God is growing among the nations, it's it's being proclaimed to the nations or the Gentiles into the world, and, and it's being believed there, right? Right. This whole conversation, I mean, it's interesting. We've been studying the book of Hebrews for the last four months. In one of our classes, In one yeah. of our classes, right? And this conversation, as you were talking about the uh, the author and finisher of our faith is spoken of again in Hebrews chapter 12, yeah. right? Well, it's earlier than that as well, but in in this reading here in chapter 12, it starts off like this. It says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, laying aside every weight and the sin, which so easily entangles us, let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's that said exactly the same thing as the mystery of godliness. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And so um, this should show itself in a life of change that looks like the fruit of the Spirit, that, that you know our morals will re- more reflect Christ, our ethic, the way we live, all that kind of stuff. But at the heart, it's more than it, – it, it, there's a deeper foundation that is Jesus in what he did. And and so do I. When I think about godliness, you know, I might think about okay, I, I need to um, stop overeating and exercise, and you know, let my temple be more like the body. You know, you know, reflect the spirit that lives in me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna lose some weight and live healthier. Mm-hmm. You know, is there a certain level of godliness to that? There is. You know, same thing. Like I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop cussing, or I'm gonna you know I'm gonna quit doing whatever that that's you know whatever sin and pursue something more righteous. That's all this. But there's also something about taking it to a deeper level and saying, okay, how can I see my life as incarnational? I'm already in the flesh, but 
but in the sense of how can I enter into the brokenness? How can I go into the darkness with the light? Mm. How can I how can I start to what are some things that I care about deeply? Maybe some maybe they're justice issues or poverty issues or you know, we have a lot of people in church who are passionate about right to life for good reason, for godly scriptural reasons, right? Well, what am I doing to actually enter into it? I can throw money at a problem, which can be a good thing. I mean, we can, we should give our resources to things. But also, if I'm really passionate about something, how am I going in and actually absorbing that? You know, maybe if I'm if I'm really truly if this is a calling on my life, maybe I need to get to know some some young ladies who are pregnant and and are struggling with whether they should give birth or not, right? Maybe I can. Maybe I actually. Maybe one response to this for some people is I know I have some friends who are like, we believe in in life so much and we believe in this that we're going to become foster parents because of this. I mean, that's I'm not saying everybody has to do stuff like, but I'm saying a foster parent is absorbing is right. absorbing that, right? They're, they're taking it on in themselves. Well, that, that's it. You know, the church is made up of many different parts, right? Exactly. And so right. the idea is find what you're passionate about right. and, and plug in with Jesus behind exactly. it, right? And in Philippians chapter two, it picks up on this very thing. It says, do all things without complaining. This is verse 14 and mm-hmm. 15 and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Right. Holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I may, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes. And if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all for the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. It's the body of Christ again, edifying one another right. in the mission in, in many, many different facets right. of, of that, that great commission, really. Yeah, it is. And, and so that all of that to say that as we take those steps of obedience, as we respond to God's call, and as we think in that, I'm always wondering, Lord, how can I, how can I make this commitment more real to myself? What what can I do to say yes? How can I keep saying yes to you, listening to you this way? How can I enter in a little bit more, wait a little bit deeper into the pool, <laughs> right? Yeah. That and as we have that willingness to do that, um, for the purpose of proclaiming this in word and in deed, for the purpose of saying this is what I really believe, that is part of that spiritual formation. That is the, that's going to help me grow uh, and help the body get stronger, right? And as, as we encourage one another to do this, um, that we find that those things are what doesn't look like it's going to be a benefit to my life actually turns out to be a benefit to my life, <laughs> right? right? Um, you know, you know, in, you know, even if it's like, oh, like just for example, I know um, – I don't know if it was this last week or the week before. I think it was last week that Pastor Daryl just talked about the finances of the church and that, you know, that the, you know, we're, God's blessed us with our building program, but, you know, in our current status, like our, 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 you know, meeting our monthly budget or our yearly budget, it's down a little bit, right? And uh, it could be okay. Um, maybe. 
for the next, you know, eight months, I say, I'm going to buy one less coffee um, at, at Starbucks or Panera or right. wherever, mm-hmm. you know, or, and I'm going to take that five bucks and that for that week. So times four, that's 20 bucks a week. And I'm just going to put an extra $20 in the offering plate, mm-hmm. right? Um, I don't have to do that. No. You know, but maybe that's something that is like, but I believe in the eternal re- benefit of that. Right. You know, that it could be, that that's something really simple. It could be the same thing of, of saying, you know what, I could spend a half hour watching Sports Center because I want to do that. I want to check on the scores and see the stuff. But maybe because I believe in this, I'm going to take that next step and say, I'm going to spend an extra half an hour. Uh, in prayer and Bible study and time with the Word, or reading or reading a a, a book about that that's going to help me right. understand the Bible more. Right? Um, do I have to do that to merit salvation? No, I don't. But if that's what God's asking me to do, just taking that little step. Well, that's it. You know the 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 idea of getting to the bigger yes is, yeah. is a bunch of small yeses along the way, right? right? And that's just an analogy, of course, but the idea is if you're not reading your Bible on a regular basis, start small. Yeah. Just have it setting out so you you read a little bit because that that little bit will add up over time. Right. I mean, even if it's a couple minutes, right. you can read a, a few passages, uh, you know, paragraphs of, of God's word on a, on a daily basis. And when you're a believer... God speaks to us by his word. Yeah. Right? You don't get you don't get messages because he doesn't talk to us out of the clouds. He gave us his word written down for a reason, right? It's to be proclaimed. So in the old days, right, somebody proclaimed it, you know, verbally and you listened. But now we have everybody's got a Bible. And so we need a little bit of that. And the same is true with, you know, you don't have to be all in all in the body of Christ, but if um if all you do is come for an hour long service, maybe you want to just plug in small, maybe start in a, in a, in a class, go to yeah. a class, even if it's just once a month, start once a month. Right. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to swallow the whole camel <laughs> exactly. to, to get through. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's funny. I, I saw this the other day. Somebody had given this to me. He said, uh, this is a little picture of a, a woman sitting there with kind of a look of despair on her face. And it says, after three months of working through learning how to hear God's whisper and still hearing nothing, Mary glanced across the room and saw her Bible under a pile of dust. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, but uh, the uh, but again, the point of all the to say some of this is those little steps. We do them. We bring them up as a way of expressing how to enter in, how to um, you know whether it's. Giving a little bit more, spending a little more time reading, going and serving somewhere a little bit more, mm-hmm. doing something you you don't really sure that you want to do or maybe seems a little bit uncomfortable. Why? Because we believe the gospel. Because we believe Jesus left heaven and came here. If he does that, can't I leave my little position of comfort? Can't I give up my little thing, whether it's time, resources, yeah. um, uh, an act of service? I do it not that all forms me because I'm trusting that Jesus did it, that I believe he did it, that I believe this, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is present in me and can help me do this, 
that the Spirit helps me in my weakness. Right. Because Jesus is, is raised, because he's raised me with him and seated me with him, and I'm a new person. Right. Right? All that is proclaiming the gospel to others. And they ask, why are you doing that, Thad? Uh, follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm allegiant to him. Um, you really believe that stuff? Yeah, I do. It's made a difference in my life. Right. You know, right. that's that that all godliness all reflects back on the Savior. Right. It all reflects back on the one who came and lived and died and rose again and is seated at the right. Yeah, hand. and let's not forget the we we understand it's intimidating to to plug in. You know, to yeah. it, there's that fear of the unknown. But I remember clearly, as clear as a bell, the, the how I got plugged into a class is because I had a friend who had been going to class for the entire previous year mm-hmm. came out and invited me. He said, yeah. come on in. Nobody's going to call on you. You're not going to be embarrassed. Right. Just come in and listen to class. And guess what? I, of course I did because it was a friend invited yeah. me. So we have to remember to be seeking and inviting people to to join right. a group and, and, and ask them to come and sit with us. And, and right. that really is... That really is important. That's how we love on each other. It is. And we got, yeah, we got to keep inviting people to come and sit in our, in our podcast with us. <laughs> I know we have, we have some more interviews to do. <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. That's we right. got, we got a few people we're trying to line up. Um, so what, you know, how do we, how do we wrap a bow on this, uh, you know, kind of tie things all up, uh, keep pursuing the gospel, keep preaching it to yourself, keep pursuing, um, and understanding and say, I want to know more of this Jesus. Uh, I know he died for my sins. I know he rose again, you know, but let's, let's keep plumbing the depths of, of, of what that took for him to do that. What does that look like? How, how does that, how do I, how do I take up my cross and follow him? You know, how, how do I, when he challenges me to leave father and mother and sister and brother, what's he talking about? You know, and and maybe maybe I need to get a brother in Christ or sister in Christ and say, let's will you work that through with me? Let's have a discussion. Let's meditate on this together. Let's let's talk about this. And you know, what's he really driving at? And how's that? You know, uh, how's that going to make me different? Mm-hmm. How can I help uh, a brother in Christ? I think about Timothy. You know, this letter to Timothy. Do you have Do you have a Paul in your life? Someone who's who's challenging you, mentoring you. Do you have a Timothy in your life that you're doing that to? Uh, all of those, you know, uh, all of those things, you know, Paul had Apollos, you know, um, and, and people who, who invested in him. Finding that, it's not necessarily a quick one, two, three, but it, it is asking, you know, God, is there somebody you brought in my, who do you want me that to be? Mm-hmm. There's something incarnational about that. Just asking the question and saying, uh, who are you sending me to? Who did you send to me? Um, what That ongoing process is how God's building his church. All right. Right? And it's, it's, that's, there's the spiritual formation within my own life. It's going to help me grow. But it's also the spiritual formation of the body itself. You know, that my spiritual formation, you know, when, when one part of the body is struggling, it's going to cause me to struggle. Right. You know, when, when the pinky hurts, you know, I feel it in the rest of my body. <laughs> um, the, all, all that to say is, as we consider ourselves, we also are considering others, and others are considering us. When we take, 
I just had baptism interviews with some ch- for some children in our church mm-hmm. who want to get baptized, and we we talk about the baptism vows. We pledge allegiance to Jesus. We pledge um, a promise that we we're going to try to grow and 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 by the help of the Spirit live a life that reflects Jesus. We promise to be participants in the body of Christ of Jesus, and then we turn and we ask the. The, the congregation, do you promise to help these people who are making this push? Do you promise to be in their life and help them grow? You know, there's the, the, the spiritual formation involves commitment, not again for merit, but for, we go back to the marriage covenant, this obligation that we have. We take these on because we believe that Jesus is going to do the work. Yeah, right. And so um, if I want to wrap you know, this up in, in some way is like, are you taking those promises seriously? Yeah, I, I've heard it said, you know, if you were to be arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence <laughs> to convict you? Right. You know, that makes you, that makes you yeah. pause for a second because right. we are to be identified with Christ and we are to reflect his light. And that, that takes place in every aspect yeah. that we do. And that's how we hold our tongue in front of people how we respond in grace when, you know, mm-hmm. things aren't going so good. Um, and also uh, how we're handling the word of God, yeah. right? Because uh, some of the practical things are, like I said from the the preacher of the book of Hebrews, right? Don't be carried away by every wind of yeah. doctrine, right? right? Understand what the Bible is saying because that's, that's the Lord speaking to us. And so we have to understand those things. And we also want to understand by that, from my core, my original core was a heart of wickedness, mm. right? And it's been graced upon, yeah, right? It's been changed, right? And that should most certainly, if it's a true change, it should be. I mean, it's just it should it should manifest right. itself in in a reaction of of, of an understanding of, of that transformation right. that's happened. And uh, you know, this is again not we we were. I like to be convicted. I like to feel convicted, yeah. you know? So we're not trying to, to, to tear anybody down, just to look, look up. Exactly. See your redeemer. Right. And who's beautiful and wonderful. And don't don't we want to help enjoy that ourselves and help others enjoy that? Again, it's not in any way to lay, lay guilt on, but rather to say it's very important in, in our life because and, and some per- people's temperaments and personalities are more geared to certain things. But I think within the old man, there's always there's always one of the thing one of the tools I think the evil one has that he try he uses to keep to slow down the growth of the church. He can never stop it, right? Right. But even in our own life, is is things like complacency and apathy. Mm-hmm. And I think we always need to to ask ourselves: Have I really been wrestling with God? Like, what's He saying to me lately? What's He asking of me? And, and, and those things in the past he asked of me, am I keeping on, keeping on with the help of the Holy Spirit? Um, do, I get, do I ever have before me the vision that God's going to, that God's continue to do that work with me? And if I believe that, then there's probably something in my life right now that he wants me to be either saying yes to in terms of service or, um, or that he's wanting me to say, you got to work on that. You know, um, just like even like in the last couple weeks in my life, I've always had an issue with anxiety in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, can, I, I find myself getting anxious about certain things. And in the last couple weeks, I find that again. It's just some of the, 
responsibilities pile up and things I know I've got coming on in the next four or five days. I got a lot going on. Um, why am I, am I fe- why am I feeling so anxious again? Well, am I really resting in Jesus the way I say I'm going to? Do I really trust him? And is that trust showing itself not only in my ability to not be so anxious, but am I, am I, am I dealing with that by actually pressing in and doing the work I need to do to prepare for those things? Or am I escaping into something else? You know, am I like, uh, well, I'll just, I'll just ignore it for a while and, 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 and go do that, you know? And, and that actually just makes the anxiety more, right? Uh, and so, so he's been saying to me, if you trust me, it's not just about not worrying, but it's actually about doing something about it. Right. In me, knowing that you may, you may not do, you may fail. You, you may, I mean, in the sense of you may not speak as eloquently as you, as you should, or you may think you should, or you may not, you know, you may invite somebody to something and they may say no. Right. Right. But are you just taking the step to do what I'm asking you to do? Right. And sometimes I think for me, the anxiety is, is I'm, I'm seeking a, a means of uh, I'm either uh, I'm avoiding when I shouldn't be avoiding, right? Or I'm putting too much burden of pressure on myself to make something happen when it's God who's it's His will to work and do as He <laughs> as He pleases, right? Right. And so um, I've known that lesson for a number of years, but it's creeping up again. Why? Well, probably because I haven't been taking it to the Lord and and being obedient the way He wants me to be, right? So there's all to say is. There's always something. And if there isn't anything, then let's be asking ourselves, God, what's that next thing for me? Mm-hmm. Right? What's the what's the next step? You know, I, I, the waters maybe maybe I'm I'm knee deep and you're asking me to move up to the thigh, right? <laughs> or whatever it is, you know. Right. What is that next thing? And if I'm if I find myself getting too comfortable, as you said, then you know, then pretty soon I'm fine. I'm standing in cold water, right? Right. <laughs> right? Instead of the maybe getting that next level in the whirlpool, whatever the analogy is. But, but that's the. I think that's our encouragement with this spiritual formation is let's keep pressing forward, keep working on because God is is promising to do that to do that work in us. Amen. That's great. Okay, so uh, next season, I mean, we're we're thinking about talking about a, a pretty interesting topic. Do you want? Do you remember what that is? I. Go ahead. Well, here's the idea. The idea is we're going to start talking about who Israel is, mm-hmm. right? And, well, of course we know Israel. Israel, the Old Testament, the Lord brought them out of Egypt. Right. That's right. But the Bible describes in the New Testament a true Israel. There's a distinction between um, one Israel and another kind of Israel, right? Yeah. And so we're going to talk about that and what that looks like with uh, um, in regards to our salvation and also in regards to eschatology, what what the study of end times, the end of all things, looks like, and I think that'll be um, a very interesting topic. Yeah, and uh, I'm gonna go ahead. Well, no, I, I think too. The other thing I, I hope to do with this that we hope to do, and hopefully we can get some guests to come on with us and and talk about some of this too, as we as we've mentioned, is that it's it's important too to just for understanding the whole story of the Bible. Really is so. So really, so it's not, so. When we talk about eschatology, we're thinking, oh, we're just going to be spending all this time in Revelation, or you know, new. no, it actually starts in Genesis. It it starts it in it, it starts with the people of God, and so what we're hoping to do with this is actually help us orient ourselves to our entire Bible, right? Uh, and which is the Word of God, which is a means of grace, right? And so this is a spiritual formation for us in terms of like. 
how do we how do we see the whole storyline going forward and and the whole notion of Israel as a people God made for himself um really it it really goes back to Adam and Eve in some respects and so with that with that as you know just a little teaser a for little you teaser. that we want to we want to get into this because we want to know our whole bible better and we want to and we want to know where God's going with all this, right? And when we talk about eschatology, we've mentioned this before, the whole Bible's eschatological. Right. It's always a forward-moving thing. And so um, the whole notion of Israel is a very important thing to understand that whole, that whole thing. Right, because the distinction between Old Testament and New Testament is not as big of a gap as you think it is. <laughs> Hopefully not, right. yeah. With Christ right. as its center. Okay, Looking thanks. Looking forward to that. Have a great day, yep. everybody. Next time, Season 6, we will take a look at how we define the aspects of Israel as God's chosen people. Planet is a Cornerstone EPC production, connecting to God, one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.